Well, good morning, ladies. Before we get started here, I want to show you something. Um, I went on Etsy, I think that's what it's called, and they, um, this woman designs prints. And I printed this out on cardstock, and then I bought like a dollar frame at Walmart or whatever. But if anybody's interested in this, I can print out more. It's just cardstock. It's a heavy, you know, I'm just going to hang it in my office because I've just been so touched by these. So if you want some or you want a card or whatever, it even gets as big as you can get it big. But um, that's just the, what? That's just the regular size. So if you're interested, let me know after. Um, the other thing I wanted to share was um, Justin. He has done this for us, which is awesome. He's also doing it for the sermons, but we are now on a podcast. We have a morning break podcast. So basically what it is, is it's just audio. It's listening to what we're saying. It's not live. You can go back and listen if you missed or whatever. And I think we're going to keep going forward with it. So um, Apple podcast, um, Spotify, Google podcast, it's on Acre, it's on Breaker podcast, Pocket podcast, just all these different podcasting. So if you have no idea what I'm saying, I can help you after. <laughs> if you ever would want to audio listen to Morning Break. But like I said, it's not live. So all right. Um, let's just start with a word of prayer here. Lord, I thank you for today, and I ask that your Holy Spirit would be here with us um, as I teach, as we learn together, and I just pray right now for people that couldn't be here and people that are that are sick or scared or anything that's going on in our community. I would just pray that you would bless and guide and help direct us on, on what to do and, and how to be during these times, and I also pray over the election, Lord, that your will would be done and that... Um, people would be encouraged to get out and vote. And I just pray again for your Holy Spirit to be with me as I teach, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are on the seventh beatitude, and it's about peacemaking. So my question that I proposed at the, be the beginning of your outline there was, um, what keeps you from having peace with that person maybe you don't have peace with? What gets in the way? What things come up um, that might make your situation unpeaceful. Anybody ever have an argument with someone? <laughs> and what gets in the way? Some things I thought of, because I was certain probably no one would answer, is I thought of maybe your thoughts get in the way. Maybe you start thinking not nice things, or maybe it's your mouth. You just wish you could clamp that mouth shut. Or maybe it's your judgment, your perceived going into the argument of who the person is, you know, things that might get in the way of your peacemaking. I want you to think about that as we go through the lesson, um, just to be aware of how God can work, the opportunity area, because this actually is a very hard, um, it's, a, it's a hard ask to be a peacemaker as we examine the pieces of it and what it actually means. I find myself challenged. So, um, you might too, but I want you to just think about where God can work. And we always start with going through the Beatitudes because they all link to each other. So we're going to start with the first one and go through. And I thought, hey, wouldn't it be neat, a little test, a little quiz, see where you're at? No, I'll give you the answers and we'll go through it. But um, we need to keep these in mind because this is really the last Beatitude that's going to, um, next week is the persecuted, blessed are the persecuted. So this one encompasses all of them. That's why we need to just review and make sure we got our head around 
all of these Beatitudes. So the first one is, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. And that's meaning coming before God and saying, I am spiritually bankrupt without you. I need you. And then is, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted, right? So that's going before the holy God and saying, as I look at myself and I look at you, I know that I have sin, and to come before him mournfully in repentance, and then he says he'll comfort you. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And if you can remember the video, it's that strength under control. It's that horse that's been controlled by its master. He does not lose the strength, but it's under the control and the will of God. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now that's kind of the solution. So after you've come into this relationship with Christ, you realize who you are. You long for what is righteous. And he says you'll be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. And remember that was that compassion or pity with action. And then you will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And that's kind of two-part. Marcia talked about that singleness, having that sincerity, that one, a single mind towards God, and then also just without blemish, right? And that's only done and accomplished through God and continual washing. And then it says, for they shall see God. Now, it very much logically follows now we have blessed are the peacemakers, for they, are the, they will be called the sons of God. And like I said, they're progressively getting harder in nature. But the logical sequence here for peacemaker, if you think about it, is the pure heart would come before the peacemaker because a pure heart could not stand to have division. It would not want that sinful division. You would want to be unified and complete, right? So it makes sense. Pure in heart, then peacemaker. Um. So what is peace? And peace is that Hebrew word shalom, right? And what it means is wholeness, harmony, unity, completeness. But just like merciful is compassion into action, peacemaker is peace in action. So you want the harmony, the wholeness, the unity, the completeness, but you're going extra. You're going to take what's broke and make it that wholeness, make it that unity, work towards that completeness. So there's action here. There's action that needs to be done. And I wrote there, God is the greatest peacemaker. And in the beginning is the perfect illustration, the Garden of Eden. Man was at peace with God. Man was at peace with man. There wasn't that worry. There wasn't that anxiety. There wasn't that anger. What happened? Eve, man choosing their own way, the serpent, Satan, bringing about the temptation, confusion. And then what happened? Then we had the separation from God, disorder, fear, anxiety. And kind of some of the same reasons we don't live in peace right now, right? I think about how timely this is and how much in political division and segmentation there is. It doesn't feel like they're working together for the unity and the good. You know, it feels like there's constantly this unsettledness, this division. And I think it makes Satan happy. I think it's right where he wants it to be because why would he want to reflect God's greatest gift of peace? 
But God says he wants us to live in that state of shalom. He wants us back with the Garden of Eden had. That's what he intended. That's what he wants for us. So what did he do? He made a way through Jesus. And Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. He's called our peace. And I have reference there, Colossians. We can Let's read it. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And this is also done in the temple and the sacrifice of the animals. God is always going towards that reconciliation. He is the greatest peacemaker. But Jesus is a better sacrifice. Once and for all, peace is available for us. And it costs big. It costs Jesus' death. So the question I propose to you, is there peace in us? Do we have peace? What do you think? Yes. If we don't, we should. We need to think about where does our peace come from? Believing, the reconciliation. We have peace with God because we believe in Jesus, because he atoned for our sin. Have you ever met somebody who doesn't have the peace? If you really know them, they're kind of like searching, but they can't even name it. They don't even know. They're just, they're lost. Yes. But that's not us. We have peace within because of Jesus. Does that mean we're always peacemakers? No. Johnny, did you have something? So you have friends who are non-Christian through the pandemic, hard to handle. It is. It's hard to handle as a Christian. You have to continually go back and remind yourself the peace that we do have. So Romans 5, 1 through 2 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith, into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. So we have that peace that surpasses all understanding because we have the spirit of the living God in us. And we're going to have trouble. But true peace is not the absence of trouble. It's the presence of God. I read that somewhere and I loved it. I'll say it again. True peace is not the absence of trouble, but the presence of God. And Isaiah 26, 3 says, Keep your mind steadfast on God and trust in him that he will keep you in perfect peace. And I know we're talking about peacemaking today, but I, I wanted to start and get this foundation started so we know where peace comes from and we know we have the greatest example as God is the greatest peacemaker. So number three there, I have God's way of making peace is Jesus. And I have a couple lines there because if you start to think about how did Jesus make peace, I want to look at it and then as our example, how are we then to make peace? I want to make this practical. So the first thing that Jesus did is he gave up his rights, humbled himself, and came to earth. Gave up his rights, humbled himself, and came to earth. And the second thing that he did is he moved towards the trouble. He moved towards the sin. 
Thirdly, he loved before he was loved. He loved before he was loved. And finally, he was what? Put to death. He was the atoning sacrifice for our sin, reconciling us back to God. This is God's way of making peace. Now, if that's what it means to be a peacemaker, give up your rights, move towards trouble, love others before they love you, and put death to the fleshly nature, are you ready to be a peacemaker? (laughs) Can you see why we need to go through the Beatitudes and have that foundation before we can move to this? Because peacemaking is a divine work. It doesn't happen on our own. We need God to be working and controlling within us to be able to be peacemakers. And the momentum from each beatitude leads to the next step of growth. God is working this out in you. This all requires growth in the spirit. And God's hand is in it all. So if you haven't arrived and you're not perfect, right? It's a sinner who walks with God. Not that you're to give up, but realize that a work is happening. And what really... um helps me think about is that that verse where it says, um, be confident that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So we know these beatitudes are describing what it is to be in the kingdom, what virtues that Jesus is looking for for our own benefit, but they're hard. But we are not to give up. Continue looking at the aim to be holy, to walk with God, to yield with him. We have our limits in our natural self, but the possibility of God being able to work through us is great, and that's what we need to cling to. He is working it out. So number four is the path of peacemaking. What does it mean for us? What does it look like? Jesus as our example. We are benefiting to be peacemakers, and we are called to be peacemakers, and people are going to recognize us as God's children when we're peacemaking. So I put grace and peace there, and obviously this wasn't so for Jesus, but it is for us. And here's what I mean I mean to say. In all the writings to the churches from Paul, Ephesians, Thessalonians, Philippians, Colossians, they all say grace and peace to you. Grace comes before peace, and that's on purpose because we have to have the peace of God, the grace that the gift, in order to be a peacemaker, right? You can't give out of something that you don't have. So the order matters here. You cannot go forward and be peacemaking without God's peace. So that's where it starts. Um, in James 3, 17, 18 there, it says, but the wisdom that comes from the heavens is first of all pure. Now think of our beatitude last week, pure in heart. The wisdom is first pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, impartial, sincere. Godly wisdom leads to peace, mercy and impartial. And then it says, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So when we're peacekeeping, when we're not keeping, peacemaking, we're planting a crop. 
planting a crop of peace. When you come at me and I'm peaceful towards you, I'm planting. And then it says you will reap a harvest of righteousness, which means righteous choices in your life. When you peacemake, you're making righteous choices. You're planting in people. And it may not be immediate, but they're seeing something different in you. And you are obedient to what God wants you to do. So go back and look at Jesus' number one. He first gave up his rights. So first we have to have peace. We've established that. But then second, we have to give up our rights in order to have to be called a peacemaker. And I go back to meekness and humility because recall that submission to God's will. If it's God's will for you to be a peacemaker and your strength is coming under his control, you're going to have to give up what you would normally stand upon. You cannot be a quarrelsome, troublemaker, nagging type pit bull. If somebody comes up to you and says something, you feel like you want to tell them what's up because, you know, you know, but that's not that's not what God wants from us. And that natural man may come out and you may have that, but that isn't what's wanted here. You need to submit to what you know to be true and have peace. Jesus prayed that the church would have unity, would live in unity. It's our calling to live in peace. It says in 1 Corinthians seven fifteen that it's our call to live in peace. We are to be humbled towards others, lay down our rights, and be anchored in the truth. The truth is we're to be peacemaker, even when it's hard, kingdom-focused. And you know, you're certainly not going to arrive at reconciliation and enable unity and completeness when your mouth is running amok. And it's hard to understand, even, even when you do it, because you know you all have times when someone says something to you, maybe your husband, your kids, your grandkids, your friends, and on one hand, you're blessing and praising God, and on the other hand, such vile things can come from your mouth. Isn't that frustrating? You know you've been there. So patience, understanding is what's going to lead to peacemaking. And, and then you also have to remember What's been done for you? You know, that perfect peace that surpasses all understanding is a treasure. And you have it because of Jesus. And you ought to then give it to other people. So to go forward and live at peace is our calling in God's will. Let's look at Colossians 3. Turn to it in your Bible because it's a long one. I didn't want to type it all out there. And as you turn to it, so it's Colossians 3, and we're going to start in verse 12. I want you to notice all of the Beatitudes that are within this piece of Scripture. And I remember saying the last time I teach it, I was so excited that I, you start to see the Beatitudes in Scripture. It's what Jesus is calling us. This is what the kingdom of, this is what my kingdom people look like. And then all of a sudden you know all of them, and you're from all of our studying, and you go into Scripture and you see it, and it's just like, it's so logical, I love it. I love to see it. Helps me understand. So let's look at Colossians 3, 12 through 17. I'll read it. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive what grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, 
which binds them all together in perfect unity. Which perfect unity is what? Peace. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So we're God's chosen, and this is how we're to live, letting the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. I want you to think about something. This was a commentary question that came up, and I had never, I just don't think like this, but he's smarter, and so I just want to bring it to you, to your attention. The commentary said, if you are hurt by somebody or, or put off by their words or their actions towards you, and it's and it hurting you, instead of looking to defend yourself or, or go to somebody else and be like, you can't believe what they said and, you know, how, you know, or even thought, even thought of, I just can't stand this person, you know, think of it a new way. Think of them as being a victim, a victim of self, of being in the clutches of Satan. Maybe they don't know what peace is. Maybe they do have the peace of God, but right now they're being, they're being held, you know, and if you think of it like that, it would be really hard to then put them off or say something nasty to them or try to stand on your own rights because really they're hurting. Instead, he says, pray for them. Pray for them and show the glory of God and the peace that you're going to extend to them. You know, like heaping on kindness to someone who's mean. Glorify your Lord. Show them that you are a son of God, that you are kingdom focused. Stop when you want to say something nasty and think about their pain. Letter C there, I put strive for peace. So Jesus came toward the trouble. We're so thankful he did. So thankful they didn't just bury, you know, the, the Trinity did just think, this is it, we're done. You know, they move towards the trouble. So as a peacemaker, you're going to have to not bury your head in the sand, right? You're going to have to, number one, did I put a number one in your outlines there? Number one, I put in thought to be take initiative. Peace is not passive because then that's just peacekeeping. Peace is not passive. It's that action. It must lend itself to some kind of reconciliation or unity. Where it's segmented, it's all pushed together. An example is if somebody says something to you and you're like, I'm trying to be a peacemaker today. This isn't going to hurt my feelings. And you're going to be, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. But inside you're just like seething. You have, that's not peacemaking. It's got to be a reconciliation. And we should want to have relationships that are reconciled and peaceful, church, nation. We want our nation to be reconciled. We want to have our husbands and our children in peaceful relationships. And we need to take initiative with that. And how do we do that? Number two, I put be thoughtful. Go the extra mile. Look for hurts around you. Opportunities of people coming into your life that have hurts and extend to them peace. 
Go the extra mile, as Jesus says on the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. He talks about taking action and, and uh, being approachable, being loving, even when it's hard. You know, um, love your enemy. You know, um, going the extra mile, turn in the cheek. This is the path of a peacemaker. And it says in Hebrews 12, 14, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And that verse also goes along with Romans 12 when it says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live in peace with everyone. Now, you know, everyone is not going to live in peace with you, right? We've experienced that, but it is up to you to go and make the reconciliation. You have done what God has called you to do. How they're going to respond to you, I mean, you can't really control that. But as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And living at peace practically might look like holding your tongue, just reviewing your thoughts before you say them. What am am I going to say that this is going to further the kingdom of God? And if you're going to stand on something, make sure you're standing on gospel truth and doing it lovingly. Because I think there are certain things we need to stand up for, for sure. But I think it needs to be done with prayer and in love. And then I'll always, I'll always say this, remembering your own need for peace will help you to cast away that anger that you feel towards somebody. And then number three there, talking about being a peacemaker, is keeping the advancement of the gospel in mind. If you're looking like a caged animal, every time someone comes after you, it's going to be real confusing, and they're not going to be able to see God in you if you're freaking out. And it says, that verse we just read, without the holiness, no one's going to see the Lord. So it affects your witness. Part of peacemaking is to share where the peace that you have come from. And that might be in action and in word, but the two should line up. Let them see that you're a son of God, that you're different, you're approachable, you're peaceful, you're kind. And then you're able to share how you were able to obtain that peace through Christ. And the final thing that Jesus did is he died on the cross. And I put there for D is that ours is death to the flesh. Let me ask you a question, and this is a big tell. I kind of already asked it already, but does the wretched man that comes up in you bother you? And you just want to be like, stop, why? That's good, don't you think? That's good that it bothers you. You're not saying, boy, I'm glad I took that stand. Did you see that? You know, that's not what you want to be. You want to be bothered by that. And peacemaking, I remind you, is divine. We need a new heart and a pure heart. Looking out for the needs of others before your own is not easy. That's why I say peacemaking is divine. To put yourself aside and follow Jesus. And you know, I think, why is it hard to not want to let go of yourself and your own rights. And I I think it kind of has to do a little bit, when I thought about it more, it has to do with trust. Do you trust God that if you put aside yourself that he will take care of you? You know, 
Fear of the unknown. Yeah. Yeah, trusting, it makes it really hard. But God says it, and he says it a lot, that that's what he wants us to do. So then I just, I, you just have to trust. I don't know how to arrive at it any other way, right? Just, he says he's going to take care of us. He calls me blessed when I put myself aside. I need to then go forward and take his hand and be like, you got me. I'm going to be what I can to other people to glorify you. That's my aim is to glorify you. I have an example of this, and I feel, I feel like I might have shared it before, but some people might not have heard. When I was first married to Chad and I had one kid, which I laughed because I thought it was so hard to have this one baby, and now I have four, but I really was struggling. Like it was nursing and all that. And I really felt like Chad could be doing more. Like, I feel like I'm doing everything here and I'm sick of it. And then my mouth would get going or I'd do snotty things or whatever, you know. And I went to a Bible study and I was telling these ladies this, like he doesn't get up at night, you know, he could change the diaper before I nurse. There's all these things he could be doing that I had all in my head. And I was ready for them to be like, yeah. Men just, you know, that's what I was ready for. That's where I was at. And she really took me aside and she said, um, that isn't how, that, that's, that's not going to help your marriage. You need to submit to him and you need to be kind towards him. And that's what God wants you to be, to go after. And I didn't know it was peacemaking and she didn't call it peacemaking, but I needed to stand down off my rights. Sure, he wasn't helping. That was true. If anyone would come in, they'd be like, okay, Chad, you can step it up here. But that's not what God calls. He wanted me and she encouraged me. She's like, I know it's hard, but just do it for a week. Go and make the supper, put the extra special things on the table because you're making that supper for God. Go forward, and you're going to glorify God. You're going to continue to do the hard work and as if you're doing it for the Lord, right? And I continued to do that, and if it didn't work, it did. All of a sudden, his position changed. Well, how can I help you? You're, you're standing down from your rights. That's what I was doing. And I was sowing that peace and what was coming from it, righteousness in our relationship, it was amazing. I couldn't believe it. And I always go back to that today when I'm ready to call him out on what I think he should be doing. I'm, I stand back and I'll be honest, I didn't think of it as peacemaking. I really didn't. I just was listening and I knew from my experience what was happening, that I was loving on him, even though I didn't feel it back at those times. And then it changed. So trust that God will work it out for you and you continue to go forward in love. Does that make sense? And then in Romans 8, 5 through 8, I want to look at that too, if you don't mind turning to Romans. And this is, you know, alluding to putting the death of the flesh here. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set in what the nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Do you think the Spirit desires us to be peacemakers? Yes. The mind of the sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. 
And that's where we need to trust the word of God. We need to trust that we're going to stand off of our rights and that he is going to bring about love and peace when we are yielding and following his command to be peacemakers. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. And then you continue to yield and let God do that work in you and realize, where did my peace come from? And then try to go and make peace with other people as you realize what he has done for you. And you will be called blessed and you will be noticed as sons of God. It will further witness to other people. All good things coming from peacemaking, but it's hard. It's costly. It was costly to Jesus. He died on the cross for us. He yielded everything that he had. He had to leave perfect heaven and come to the sin. And number five there says sons of God. Now, are you like the father? Are you a peaceful person? Do you go out and make peace with others? Do you reflect his glory by how you live as a peacemaker? Do people see you and think there's something different there? And why do you think we would be then called sons of God? Why would a peacemaker be called a son of God? Yeah, you're doing you're following his example, doing what he did. And that's who he is. God is peace. Hebrews 13, verse 20, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, Romans 15, 33. They all say he is the God of peace. It is who he is. So if you're peacemaking, you're looking like who he is. And in this case, you want someone to say you're just like your dad. You know, Jesus, the answer that God had was Jesus. Jesus is our peace. It's his character. It makes sense if you are a peacemaker that you would then be called the son of God and your witness exponentially. Because it's not what the normal person does. Most people stand on their rights. But not us. That's not what we're called to do. So I want to look real quick. Let's jump to John Stott, his book. There's a couple questions there I want to look at. And it, it's, he's, we're in chapter 7 on that one, and it's um, page 47. But what I want to look at is he goes into um, the summary on page 48. So if you turn to 48, it says, Peacemaking is a divine work, for peace means reconciliation, and God is the author of peace and reconciliation. True peace and true forgiveness are costly treasures. And then he goes on down to read Ephesians 2, 11 through 22 to better understand our role as peacemakers. So I want to read that together. If you want to turn to that in your Bible and then go through some of those questions. Because it's just like a review of all of this and it puts it into um, perfect understanding of what this call is through what Jesus did. So it's again Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. It says, One in Christ. That's what my title says in my Bible. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised 
by those who called themselves the circumcised, that done in the body by the hands of men. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Now, I don't think of anyone in this room as being Jewish. This is us. <laughs> and this is good. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Just think about that a minute for our politics. It's such hostility, isn't it? And isn't it painful to watch and talk about and... It, I just, oh, it's hard. It says, okay, anyway, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh and law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of two, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. By which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who are near. For through him we have we both we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus Himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So with all this richness dwelling inside of us, we need to go forth and be peacemakers. Because of what he's done, we have peace. We're reconciled. We're counted as part of his kingdom. That is... How do you even describe it? It's amazing. Because of what we have, we need to then go forward. So let's look at the questions number seven that um, John Stott here proposes. Number seven says, what was the chronic conflict between the Jew and the Gentile? What was the problem? The circumcision. And the circumcised were a part of the promise, and the others were not a part of the promise. So they had that, you know, the major barriers between the two and how did Christ reconcile the conflict he was what did you say through his blood on the cross he is the peace it says he made the two one we all and people you know that we come in contact with that are mean and harsh towards us if they don't have Jesus he still loves them and wants them so reflect the glory. Let's break the barriers. What are the benefits of Christ's peacemaking? We now have access to God. I mean, we are not the chosen people, right? The Jews, we're not Jews. We are fellow citizens with God's people. And the dwelling in us. How was this reconciliation a costly one? <laughs> what was that? It's hard with the mask. I couldn't hear. The death of Christ. 
Jesus had to leave heaven. He had to put down his rights. He had to humble himself. He had to become man. He had to deal with all the temptations. And then he died. And thanks be to God. He gave up his crown for our souls. Let's pray. So being a peacemaker, as you can see, as you think about it more, it is a tall order. But our aim is to be holy, to have these virtues, to be kingdom focused. That's what we want. We want to be pure in heart. We want to be peacemakers. God has no limits in what he can do in us. We have limits. We have that natural man that keeps coming back. But it is not to give up the possibility of what can be done, other people coming to God through how we are, through God doing a work in us. Your Christianity, you don't control it. It controls you. So let it work. Yield yourselves. Embrace the aim of what we're going after. Recognize the limits that we have in ourselves, but no limits in God. And then go after the possibilities. Be who he wants you to be and trust that he is calling you blessed for it, even when it's hard and it hurts. I'm going to pray Micah 5, 4 through 5. I came upon this when I was studying. And um, if you want to turn to it, you can as I, as I pray it on us. But it's Micah 5, 4 through 5. So if you just want to bow in prayer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray this over us. It says, He will stand and shepherd his flock. So Lord, I just pray now that we realize you are our shepherd and that you will stand and help us along. In the strength of the Lord, in the majesty and the name of the Lord his God. Lord, give us strength. Help us in the name of of you to be able to be peacemakers. It's hard to yield ourselves. Help us know that we will then live securely and that you will be with us to the end of the earth. And help us more than anything to know that you are our peace and what has been done so then we can understand how we need to give it to other people. I pray that we would go forward every day and look at how we can be peacemakers. And I pray that you would just have your hand in it all. It's a divine work, and that's your business. So please, in us, Lord, search our hearts and help us to know where we can be peacemakers. I ask you this in Jesus' name. Thank you. Amen.